Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, inappropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, welcome to a very special edition of Hostile Work Environment here. I am with Kate Bischoff, as always. My name is Mark Alifans, and I'm way out of order because That's okay. we have such exciting day. news today, right? <clears throat> so we are coming with you with a special uh, episode here to talk about today's Supreme Court case. And uh, that case is called Bostock v. Clayton County, Georgia. And what it does is it affirms that workplace discrimination on the basis of sex, as written in Title VII mm-hmm. of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, includes discrimination against gay and trans employees, thereby effectively making sexual orientation and sexual identity protected classes under the law. Of the We're land. so excited. So I just want to kind of point out here, I, this has been a particular area of interest for me Uh, Ever since I took a law school class my last year of law school on sexuality and the law uh, with one of my favorite professors ever, uh, Professor Pat Kane, and it comes right on the heels in terms of judicial, kind of looking at the broad Mm -hmm. scope of judicial history, of two other really seminal Supreme Court cases expanding gay rights uh, and in major and life-altering ways. And so I thought a little bit of that history would be good to start with. So the Mm -hmm. first one of those was Lawrence v. Texas in 2003. Uh, which uh, was decided the same semester I was taking that class. Oh, awesome. uh, Which was, it was like learning on your feet. It was amazing because we, we, we learned all of the, the cases around right to privacy and Griswold v. Connecticut and all of these cases that expanded that right to privacy. But then you have Bowers v. Hardwick, which, mm-hmm. which undoes or, or, or basically says that gay sex is not okay. <laughs> like that the government can say no, no, no to gay sex. Mm-hmm. Well, Lawrence v. Texas reversed that, and uh, it, it basically said that that individuals have a privacy right under the Constitution to engage in whatever sexual activity they want to, so long as it's consensual, uh, and it invalidated a number of state anti-sodomy laws, including the one in Texas, which is where the case came out of. So then, just over five years ago, 2015, I can't believe it's been five years already. I know, it feels uh, like yesterday. The court decided o- Obergefell v. Hodges, uh, affirming that gay marriage is the law of the land. I mean, we're talking about a 15, 20-year period here where the Supreme Court has has moved miles on the issue of gay rights. And now mm-hmm. they've expanded those protections for our gay and trans friends in the workplace, uh, resolving a federal circuit split, and also imposing this requirement on those states, which is about half. Uh, that have not already protected sexual orientation or sexual identity under their own state law. Uh, And I, you know, in Oregon, it hasn't been an issue because it's been on the books for a long time. And I think it has in Minnesota Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So the fact that this is now the law of the land and it's uh, it's national, it covers the entire United States uh, is huge. And for those of you not watching, uh, Kate (laughs) is waving her pride flag literally on camera. And it's awesome. So the effects of this case, right, are likely to be far-reaching. 
and we can't yeah. uh we can only guess now like what the future is going to bring uh i can't really contain my excitement i I've been struggling to concentrate on my other work today, uh, which is making it hard to do the other work and hard to concentrate on actually reading this opinion. Um, but I expect that whatever enthusiasm I'm feeling, Kate's going to give me a run for my money on that front. So, uh, yeah. Kate, what? How do you feel about this? Tell us, tell our listeners what what this means for you. Uh I am over the moon with this decision. I have done training on respectful workplace training in some of the states where this has not been a, you know, LGBTQ status has not been a protected class. And in all of those trainings, I didn't edit my slides to take it off. Um, and I talked about it. And sometimes I got called out, well, we can discriminate against gay people. And then I took the luxury of explaining why that might not be the case for a long time. So, um, and I have got a great deal of very close friends who are gay and lesbians. And I want to, you know, jump for joy that this, they, you know, they get to be seen as equal in the eyes of employers. And in a certain extent, this Bostock decision, which includes the Zarda decision, uh, includes, uh, I can't remember her name, the last Stevens, plaintiff. Amy Stevens. Amy Stevens, yes. Um, Amy and Don, the other two plaintiffs, have passed away, uh, Amy, relatively recently. Yeah, um, just in May. Yeah. Like last and, month. Right. And which so is tragic they don't, to not be able to live to see this. Right. And so hopefully they're, you know, wherever they are, they're throwing a great big party because that would be great um but this is bigger than gay marriage like everybody or almost everybody needs a job and so this is just so historic and we remember how much we partied they lit the white house up in rainbow colors and after gay marriage this is just so big and to listen to people like Laverne Cox talk about how this is so meaningful to her and other folks talk about why this is such so important to them just warms the cockles of my heart especially during this time where it seems like everything is just so angry and unhappy and so I'm very happy that we get this glimpse of hope here yeah I, I I've been waiting for this opinion to come out um and, and you're talking and about needles. On pins and needles. And, and and frankly, I was prepared when we recorded yesterday for the episode that came out this morning as we record. <laughs> um, uh, it will be yesterday by the time you listen to this. Um, that I think we were both prepared for a, a very decision. different kind of of discussion around this. So uh, I can't express, I mean, setting low expectations is always good so that you're not too disappointed. But uh, it makes it all the sweeter that it's a surprise. Um, and what you say about your trainings really resonates with me because in my <laughs> trainings, I, I tend to get wonky with the law a bit. And I mm -hmm. had a whole slide around the circuit split on this issue while saying, it doesn't matter. I'm right. telling you, you don't do that. Right. That you don't discriminate on this basis, regardless of whether the law covers you or not. Yep. yep. But now I can get rid of that slide because it just, it's just simple. And now I get mm -hmm. to do a whole fun slide just about how awesome this case is. Yes, and we get to do scenarios around it, and it doesn't matter where in the country we do this, it's all protected. So I'm thrilled. I 
I screamed when I heard it, and then I woke up my children out of their slumber, and we went to bed late last night, so I probably shouldn't have done that. But I woke them out of their slumber and gathered them around. I'm like, listen, what happened? I made a cake with a rainbow on it today. I mean, like, I have gone all out to celebrate. (laughs) I love it. All right, so I I don't want to keep us all here forever, and you and I could both pick this case apart and and nitpick and wonk on it all afternoon. <laughs> yes. Um, but I think our listeners want to keep this to a reasonable amount of time. So I think the, what I'd like to do here in terms of talking it through is, A, I want to give a little historical note to start. Yeah. Then I thought it would be good just to do a very quick recitation of the facts of the three cases, just very, very brief, a couple sentences for each. And then let's talk about some of the key points of the opinion and really where the push and pull is between our six heroic justices of goodness and wonder <laughs> and our three. Oh, let's, hold on. Our let's three, not go that far for all six. Okay? Our three. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm feeling it today, right? Uh, and, and then counterpoint the three buffoons who don't even deserve to have a law degree, right? Okay, well, I'm still not going to go that far with you there either. But, yeah, uh, let's do that. You won't so, engage my hyperbole just this once. <laughs> I, I will for Thomas, but maybe not the other two. Oh, that's, maybe Kavanaugh too. But Kavanaugh too, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. probably. Okay, so this decision is a split 6-3. We've got the traditional folks that we knew would be on this side, Ginsburg, Kagan, Sotomayor, Breyer. Yep. Surprises, or maybe not surprises, but Roberts and Gorsuch, and Gorsuch writes the opinion. Right. Now, there was some indication that that might end up that way, because Gorsuch was asking some pretty pointed questions during the oral arguments on this case that seemed to indicate he might be leaning this way. I just don't know that anybody dared to dream that it it was real. Would be. Well, the reason being is that Gorsuch is what we lawyer wonks call a strict constructionist. He looks at the four corners of the law and reads into the definition of what those particular words mean. And often that is a very conservative view of the law, whereas other folks look at the law and say, but look at what everything that's changed around this. And so we should look at a modified view of what this means today. So even though it's not technically a law, if you look at the Declaration of Independence, we the people, we the people at that time meant all the white folks and three-fifths of black folks. So you can't use that language in that way, right? But if- And not women of any Again, no women, sorry. (laughs) We'll just keep in the kitchen pregnant for y'all, okay? So- Right. forcing you to agree with that. That was awesome. Okay, so if you look at the textualists, Gorsuch would fall squarely in that realm of judicial philosophy. Right, and and who who is he really a protege of in that regard? Scalia? Yeah, like Scalia is the strict constructionist, right? And a strict constructionist with a master of a pen. Yes. He could be an abiding wit. Yes. yes, an abiding wit. Like I will never forget the case where he says um, the liberal justices want to be wizards of certain things. So yes, mm-hmm. right. And so so Gorsuch being a protege, 
uh, on the strict constructionist movement, well, makes me think straight away, well, it's Scalia. He's conservative. He's strict constructionist. Obviously, he's going to side with the conservatives and say no way when it comes to expanding rights. What the hell, Kate? How did, how did our strict <laughs> constructionist Gorsuch get here? Because he really dives into the definition of sex, the word sex. Now, if you remember, we, I think we've talked about this before, but the addition of the word sex to Title VII in 1964 was designed to be a poison pill. Um, do you remember? It's in here, the guy's name who wrote it in here. Yeah, I've got the history right here. If you want yeah. me to, I yeah, can take please. a moment. So, so it was added uh, as an amendment uh, to the Civil Rights Act on the final day of debate by Howard Smith, who was a Democrat from Virginia. A Dixie Democrat, let's. Let's be clear. Well, I was going to say, and a segregationist. <laughs> there you okay. go. Okay. Yeah. So uh, on the eighth day of debate, he rose in favor of including sex in the bill. And he read a letter from a female constituent asking him to, quote, protect our spinster friends, end quote, <laughs> who were suffering from a shortage of eligible bachelors. Uh, Smith said, I read that letter just to illustrate uh, that women have some real grievances and some real rights to be protected. I'm serious about this thing. Now, what's interesting is that history questions whether he was or was not in actuality, uh, as demonstrated on the downside, not by voting against the voting or the, the Civil Rights Act, um, yeah. but countered on the other hand by the fact that he was a supporter of the Equal Rights Amendment. Oh. Fascinating, right? Not something I knew Super before I started reading about this this morning. Yes. So, but either way, the amendment was viewed, uh, and probably rightfully so, as a poison pill by segregationists that would kill the entire Civil Rights Act. And that's why you have prominent liberals of the time coming out against adding sex, including President Johnson, because not because they didn't actually want it, but because they thought it would mean that nothing passed. Yep. But yep. they were wrong. It did pass, and with that language. Yep. And and now we have that today. And that's really interesting because what does sex mean? And, you know, there's a lot in the opinion today and in the dissent about how this wasn't conceived of as the time, that nobody at the time this was passed would have thought that sex would include protecting sexual orientation or sexual identity, and that in some ways these concepts weren't even really out there in public being discussed in any sort of public way. So, you know, the dissent's going to be saying, well, this wasn't conceived of, so it can't be there. But how does our mm -hmm. strict constructionist, who normally you say the strict constructionists are, you have to view everything in the lens of when it was written and what the intent was and <laughs> all of that, right? But what do they value even more than that? The, the plain, plain meaning me of the words. Yep. Right? Look at us. So, in sync. Mm -hmm. Right? So... That's really where Gorsuch hangs his opinion. He spends a lot of time on what does discrimination on the basis of sex or because of sex mean? Mm -hmm. And Kate, what does he say? Well, he says there's no way to parse out sexual orientation and transgender status from sex itself. You have to consider sex in creating that definition. And in fact, I can find it really quickly again. Uh, he gives this kind of scenario. 
There is mm -hmm. no way for an applicant to decide whether to check the homosexual or transgender box without considering sex. To see why, imagine the applicant doesn't know what the words homosexual or transgender mean. Then try writing out instructions for who should check the box without using the words man, woman, or sex, or some synonym. It can't be done. So in order to consider, you know, if I'm going to be discriminating against someone who is gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, I have to consider their sex in that piece of it. So of course, sex then includes those particular statuses. Yeah, I, I, and I think he says this about 80 different ways that he's effectively saying the same thing. And another quote that I pulled here was, consider, for example, an employer with two employees, both of whom are attracted to men. The two individuals are, to the employer's mind, materially identical in all respects, except that one is a man and the other is a woman. If the employer fires the male employee for no reason other than the fact that he is attracted to men, the employer discriminates against him for traits or actions it tolerates in his female colleague. Yep. Straight up. I mean, this is the argument that, that's been levied uh, in terms of reaching this result for ages. Uh, it is, to my mind, a very strict constructionist kind of point of view. It's just weird that that's kind of siding with the liberals now. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, Owen Kerr, I think I'm saying his name right, he is a legal scholar, I believe from California somewhere, um, very prominent, even though I can't remember what university he's at. He wrote a bunch of, a series of tweets today about how this is an odd outcome for textualists that because this falls down on the liberal side, whereas normally this wouldn't. Most conservatives find textualist women a home for them because they, it is so strict in how we actually read the words. So the politics around or the judicial philosophies are flipped here in how it actually works out. So. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, before we get to some listener questions, what, I'm going to make my booing sound, boo, what does the <laughs> dissent say? Oh, so I did not read Judge or Justice Kavanaugh's dissent because I, I just can't stomach it. I did read Alito. You couldn't bring yourself dissent. to do it. Yeah, I couldn't bring myself to do it, but I did read Alito's and uh, Justice Thomas joins him. And Justice Alito's response is, this is the Supreme Court legislating, because you are adding to legislation by adding these characteristics, which, of course, they have nothing to do with sex, which, you know, Justice Gorsuch has done leaps and bounds to counter Justice Alito's opinion throughout the whole piece about why this is in the law itself and giving more than enough examples. Um, and even tearing apart the, the textualist kind of argument, saying that the only thing the employers have left to argue here is just policy narratives, and that can't possibly be the case. In fact, he cites in a case site. So if you're a regular person who does not uh, succumb to the disease of lawyerism, you might not find this piece of it. And, but he quotes Scalia that says, arguments based on subsequent legal history should not be taken seriously, not even a footnote. And that's what the employers on this case had said. If Congress meant this to, for sexual orientation and transgender status to be in the law, they could have legislated it. And here he's using 
uh, what Alito tries to espouse is Scalia philosophy and using that against him. Yeah, yeah and shoots it down. Yeah. Bang, bang. Awesome. All right. You ready to get into a few questions here? Yes. All right. So our good friend of the podcast, Dan Schwartz, asks, <laughs> he's got two questions. Mm -hmm. The first one, do the rules on anti-harassment training now also apply to sexual orientation and gender identity? You betcha. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's my response. Gorsuch yeah. does go out of his way. So despite the fact that this is a landmark decision, he does go out of his way to say what constitutes discrimination based on these things is not included in this decision. So he goes out of his way to say that. Firing, definitely included, because that's what the three plaintiffs here had suffered. But he does not say this includes necessarily harassment, but there's no other interpretation that could be made. Here. I don't see how, and and to the extent that there's requirements for training, uh, or even not requirements for training, damn straight you should be training on this. <laughs> yep. One way or another. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. Um, also, should being a Yankees fan also allow you to really be fired, as the opinion suggests? And I think this requires a little bit of context, <laughs> right? Yes, because I believe... Yeah, Gorsuch Go does use an example of a woman who may be a Yankees fan and firing her. W would that necessarily be protected? Um, I am firmly of the belief that if you are a Yankee fan, you do not belong in my workplace. But that is not a protected class. Um, in fact, the nation's pastime is aiding the Yankees, if I remember that correctly. Them it and is, the Patriots. Uh... Yeah, um, I, I mean, I'll at least go as far as the Yankees on that with you. And <laughs> uh, I mean, I would fire anybody who's a Yankees fan, regardless of their uh, their their sexual orientation or identity, um, just because I don't like the Yankees. Now, the example, though, was, you know, if you only fire the female or the gay or the trans Yankees fans, um, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um uh, our good friend of the podcast, Christy Engler, asks, does this ruling have any effect on the hiring and firing practices of religious-based organizations? Again, I'll come back to this idea that this is a landmark decision, but there are big, huge carve-outs. Uh, Amy Stevens was uh, a funeral director. She came out to her employer and said, "I'm going after this vacation, I'm going to come back and I'm going to present as a woman and her religious organization of the funeral home said, don't bother, don't come back. And they had used the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, the RFRA, as part of their Riff defense. Rock. Yeah. I think this is the Sixth Circuit. And in the Sixth Circuit, they lose on that defense. They did not raise that issue to the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court and Gorsuch go out of their way to say, this is not a subject that we're going to talk about right now because it is not squarely before us. So... Can a religious organization not follow this law? They're going to try, Maybe? and they're going to test it, and it's going to come back to the courts again. Um, but I yeah, think it's I absolutely going to come back to court. <laughs> and I think I speak for both of us when we say the answer should be absolutely one thousand percent. It should, and it must. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Yeah, this this new uh, case should definitely apply to religious, but it is going to come down to statutory construction of 
subsequent statutes versus older statutes, which ones are going to apply. There's a whole lot, a whole branch of the law that discusses this, and I am just not prepared to dive into that piece of it. And Agreed. the you know 2020 election could change that as well. The RFRA has been subject of campaign pieces for a long time, so that the election could change that. Uh, so we mentioned this in our episode that came out Monday morning um, that we'd be tackling it during this conversation. But on Friday, the Trump administration issued a final rule that basically allows for discrimination against trans employees in the provision of health benefits by employers. How does this case affect that? So Title VII applies to all aspects of their employment relationship, including compensation and benefits. If you look at the EEOC's compliance manual or revolving around employee benefits, Title VII covers if you give differing benefits based upon race, sex, religion, that's going to violate Title VII. So in theory, the rule that HHS just propagated is probably going to be okay, but if you use that rule and apply it and give differing benefits, um, because of someone's transgender status or same-sex orientation, that's going to violate Title VII. So maybe not the rule, but the application. I believe, in effect, it, it it largely invalidates it. Yes. Okay. Um, listener uh, Joey Landry sent us a question. Uh, what history would you point to that could have predicted Roberts and Gorsuch siding as they did? And the flip side of that, uh, what do you feel kept the conservatives where they did? And we've addressed this a little bit, but uh, do you want to uh, flesh that out a little bit? Gorsuch has been heralded by organizations like the Federalist Society for a very long time. I mean, he was in the top five candidates for Supreme Court for every Republican candidate in 2016. Uh, so his contextualism was definitely attractive, in part because it would fall on the conservative side for a lot of this. So that is definitely an indicator that he could have fallen this way, in addition to his pointed questions about what does sex mean, et cetera, in the hearing itself. Yeah, and, and what about the other conservatives? Why didn't they go the same way when they would, when they would probably self-identify as strict constructionists? I don't want to defame a U.S. Supreme Court justice. This is a this is simply your opinion. <laughs> okay. We're not stating facts. There's not going to be any sort of slander or defamation here. This is thank this God is I don't litigate anymore. But okay, Kate's opinion. Yes. So my opinion is is that they wanted to come out this way, uh, particularly Kavanaugh because he has loyalty to this Trump administration. Um, and so he was going to vote this way almost regardless. I mean, there would have been a 99% chance that he was going to vote this way, regardless of what the actual opinion said. Thomas. Right. And Thomas is a lost cause. Yeah. And especially right. given his wife's statements. I mean, I don't want to attribute somebody's, their spouse's opinions to them, but given how out loud she has been on this particular topic, I could not see him falling any other way. And Alito is just Alito, so. That explains everything. <laughs> Alito, yeah. All right. Um, 
And then we got a, a great question. Uh, this is our last question that we got um, from listener Josh Simpson. Hello, I hope this finds you well. My question is when or how far back does this ruling affect current cases that allege discrimination against LGBT employees? For example, will it only affect future cases or will it also be in effect for cases that are currently in litigation? Also, will cases that have already been ruled on and closed against any LGBT employees plaintiffs that alleged the discrimination be allowed to be reopened and reconsidered? I hope my questions make sense. Thanks in advance for your help and clarification. I love the podcast. Yay. Uh, great questions. Uh, and I completely understood them. Any current case, this law applies to any current case. So if you sued and you're now at summary judgment or you're looking towards trial or even if you've been subject to appeal to a court of appeals, this is now the law of the land. So any current case, yes. Anything that is within the statute of limitations, also yes. But That hasn't been that, brought yet. Right, that hasn't been brought yet. So if you're in a state with 180 days or you're in a state with 365 days and the action still happened within that period, you're still good to go. But anything outside of those statute of limitations, I'm so sorry. If you need, I'll make you a cake. And I mean, I've never tasted any of your food, <laughs> but they look good. Um, but yeah, it's kind of if it's pending or hasn't come yet, then then this case will absolutely apply. Um, uh, but if your case uh, is out of time or has already been decided, then I'm uh, sorry to say you are out of luck. Yeah, I'm sorry. I did get one other question. Um, on the Trump administration's transgender ban for active soldiers or enlistments, that you they would not hire anyone. Um, soldiers are not subject to Title VII. Civilian employees of the Department of Defense are, but uh, soldiers are different. And so that transgender ban would still need to go through additional scrutiny by the Supreme Court to adopt the same kind of thinking. And that's not clear that would come out this way. Yeah, that's a great question, though. Yeah. Um, Kate, we're been, we've been going about 25, 30 minutes here. Um, I want to allow everybody to get back to their lives today so that they can go and party and Woo! celebrate this opinion, just as I think you and I are both going to do this evening. Mm -hmm. um, any From a distance, though. Oh, right, socially distanced partying yes. uh, over Zoom, of course. Um, or, or other. Uh, any parting words, closing words before we, uh, before we finish for today? I think my only really closing sentiment is thank you so much to all the advocates and the brave men and women and non-binary folks who've been hoping for this kind of decision and advocating for this kind of decision. It is so needed and so wanted and i want to give you all a great big hug congratulations i i can't say it better than that i echo <laughs> i echo all of that and to all the my friends and colleagues and everybody who has fought for this for for so long um take the time to enjoy it and mm -hmm. to uh recognize the progress that's been made uh both today and over the last 15 or 20 years. Um, it's nothing short of extraordinary. We have so much more work to do, but this is definitely a win. So. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Um, again, my name is Mark Alifans. You can find me 
on Twitter, especially because our episode yesterday, we never actually said how you can find <laughs> us. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Salad Pants. Uh, Kate, how can people find you? Uh, LinkedIn or on Twitter at K-A-B-I-S-C-H. So I hope we can all connect. All right. And again, I'm just going to put out one of our regular requests for stories. <laughs> yes, uh, please please email story. your stories to hwepodcast at gmail.com. Have a good day, folks. All right. Have a great one. Bye. Bye.